This is Sound Heights Records Podcast, Session 28. And the song lyric of the day is by Patrick Watson. Bad day. Looking for a way home. Looking for the great escape. Gets in his car and drives away, far from all the things that we are. Puts on a smile and breathes it in, and breathes it out. He says bye, bye-bye to all of the noise. Oh, he says, bye-bye, bye to all the noise. Hey, child, things are looking down. That's okay, you don't need to win anyways. Don't be afraid, just eat up all the gray, and it will fade all away. Don't let yourself fall down. Bad day, looking for the great escape. He says, bad day, looking for the great escape. Welcome to the Sound Heights Records Podcast. Harmonizing life and music, growing as an artist, improving as a person, gaining insight and inspiration, conversations with world-class musicians. Welcome to Sound Heights Records. This is Yisrael Aryeh. So today we're going to do the fourth in the song backstory series. This time we'll feature a song from way back in the Brooklyn Jazz Warriors' first album, In Service of the King, a song called Eagle and the Lion. So there's quite a bit to say about it at risk of kind of making a song that, that's obscure, as most of my lyrics kind of tend to be a little bit obscure, and I would hate to pigeonhole any of the images, but I think a little bit of, of you know, backstory about where the song came from might be useful if you feel like you, want to, you enjoy the song and you want to just to kind of experience it the, without knowing anything about it then you can shut off this episode right now. But uh, I think uh, if you do like the song, you might be interested in some of the the thoughts and the history behind it. Uh, so before we get to all that, just want to thank our patrons. Um, they keep us morally and financially going to make these podcasts, to make the music out of Sound Heights Records. If you enjoy these podcasts, I would invite you to come over to soundheightsrecords.com, go to the Patreon tab, and you can find your way to be able to support it. There's also a lot of unreleased tracks if you're a fan of uh, the music coming out of Sound Heights Records and Brooklyn Jazz Warriors. There's a lot of music there that uh, most people have never heard. Unreleased songs, etc. We'll be posting the demo version of Eagle and the Lion up there. So you can check that out. It's uh, it's kind of a raw, emotionally raw version a little bit. Slightly different lyrics, just uh, me on the piano. Um, but I think uh, someone has enjoyed the, the song on the album, which is kind of fully fleshed out with the, you know full band. Um, they might enjoy that kind of stripped down version. 
as well. All right. <laughs> so to talk a little bit about the origin of Eagle and the Lion, it's a very personal song to me. Um, Eagle and my, my name, my Hebrew name is uh, Yisrael Aryeh. So, so the obvious part of that is Aryeh means lion in Hebrew. A little bit less obvious part of that is uh, Yisrael, which is the general name for the Jewish people. And it also can be reconfigured. It has a connection to the Hebrew word nesher, which is often translated, I've learned recently incorrectly, <laughs> as eagle. It's actually, uh, according to many opinions, more of a vulture. But go figure. <laughs> so in the American imagination, the eagle is, uh, is pretty prominent, um, what it represents. And that contrast between eagle and lion, one, both are kind of leaders in their realm. So an eagle, kind of like the king of the sky, and the lion, famously the king of the jungle. And it's a certain identity that I think many people can relate to, this idea of having this, this dual nature um, the, kind of a potential that's within a person not necessarily being fulfilled, <laughs> but, but one that soars and one that that is kind of more grounded, um, these two kind of majestic animals. Um, so it's a story, you know, it's a parable. And at the time I wrote the song, so it was the, it was the early days. So a couple of factors came into it. I mean, there was definitely a lot of personal experience that was put into it in a parable form, but it's kind of like a high fantasy concept um, in a way that that I could re really relate to. It was written right around the time when Game of Thrones was just getting started, and uh, I kind of, you know, I was taken by the imagination of that, the way that was unfolding as a young, you know, kid and teenager. I was really into the idea of, the, of fantasy, and Game of Thrones had this really powerful, in, you know, initially the way it came out, the archetypes that they built, it kind of aroused these, uh, this kind of strange feeling of um, familiarity to me, um, kind of like classic folk tales. Um, at the time, I'd also been reading Ursula Le Guin, the Earth Sea series, um, which kind of having, having a little like fantasy throwback which is that's more of a kind of a morality play of good and evil, whereas Game of Thrones kind of obscures the nature of morality. Um, and that kind of kind of sparked my imagination a little bit. But that actually inspired me to reread the uh, Rebbe Nachman of Breslau stories, of which I, I spoke about a couple of uh, song backstories ago with the song Ashray, and I actually told one of the Rebbe Nachman stories. The tone of these stories have this kind of folktale fantasy. There's kings and there's heroes and there's, you know, paupers and princesses. Uh, but it, one of the, the beautiful things about it is that they have a real deep uh, mystical, Jewish mystical flavor to them. They have meanings that have been discussed in terms of what they represent, in terms of being instructive more than just the way average folk tales are instructive. They're instructive like the wisdom teachings of Torah are instructive. 
and they're kind of based on those parameters. So that was probably even more of an impetus to creating this kind of parable and this story, which um, if you listen to the lyrics or you check, you read the lyrics, it's kind of told in little pieces. And it's really a story of an individual who has a really tremendous destiny, but has been revealed, it's been revealed to him in a very compromised way. And ultimately the destiny is not necessarily as peachy and as grand as it is, it, it it also comes with a lot of a lot of danger and a lot of tragedy, but nevertheless has this silver lining, has this core of hope to it. So ultimately, it starts out, and the individual is uh, you know refers to a wedding day, and you know obviously a time of great joy, but already from the wedding day, there's a lot of danger. And there's forces that would seek to imprison, trap, put down uh, the protagonist of the story to a degree that he's put into a dungeon and he's trapped. But ultimately, it's in this dark place where he's forced to imbibe some kind of substance that turns as the lyrics say, turns the walls to snakes, but essentially changes the reality and makes normal things appear very strange, but reveals to him this destiny, this grand destiny that out of this place of darkness, there is this mission that, that's being revealed to him. And ultimately, that's like the first verse he comes out of that. Um, we don't know how he gets out of that, but, but essentially um, he's, we find him in the second verse. He's trying to hide. So the, the hiding is futile because ultimately he's trying to be tricky and run away. He has companions, a wounded wolf, a sheep, both of which have their great strengths. The wolf being kind of like the lion, a fighter, uh, a tough, <laughs> you know, tough character, but it's wounded. And a sheep, of course, is someone who follows regardless, and they're kind of being dragged along with this individual as he's flushed out of hiding. And ultimately, he's captured and he's bound from behind, and they take away his staff. Now this staff is called the eagle and the lion. So he had seen this vision of who he was and he had carved it into a staff. So the eagle on one side, the lion on another. And this was taken from him at this point and tossed into a fire. And he was forced to breathe this smoke, which is kind of a throwback to what he was forced to imbibe in the dungeon. And he starts to have further visions as he sees his destiny being fulfilled in completely a different way than he may have imagined it. And through his tears, he sees these four different shapes, a bed, an arrow, a diamond, and a circle. And these all represent different aspects of his destiny. 
the bed where she sleeps, the idea of love in his life, the arrow plunging deep, which is the idea of danger or facing his own death, which actually occurs <laughs> in the song, and the diamonds set around the circle of the crown. So he sees this, this idea of achieving this idea of, of kingship, of rulership in his own life um, that he achieves at the point of death. So obviously it's, it's all a parable. The idea of death can be something that person goes through in terms of a major transformation. But ultimately, you know, he realized that inside there was still sunshine which I'm not even sure exactly what that means. It, uh, it's one of those phrases that I, I like it, but I'm, I'm, I haven't really plunged to, it doesn't really make sense because <laughs> sunshine is kind of from the outside, but we'll leave that to, to be pondered. So that's the basic, the parable. Um, it has, so those who know me a little bit of my story, it has a lot of, of significance as a parable in fact, uh, at one point, you know, I was going through a, a very hard time after having been um, divorced and, and just having a really challenging time. And uh, someone who was helping me through the process, they, they listened, they hadn't heard any of my other music, but they listened to this song. And they're like, uh, you just, uh, that's, you just expressed what you've, you've just been going through. So it kind of captures that. And I'll leave it. I'll leave it at that. I mean, there's particular details that refer to particular aspects of my life. Some of them may be obvious. Some of them less obvious. Um, but somehow, this this story and this character. Uh, you know, I know authors. Whatever they write fiction, and they they like to say it's not necessarily about them. And so it's not. It it is, and it's not. That's kind of how these things work. Hopefully it's a little bit more universal that people can kind of find themselves in that process or, or kind of find inspiration in the imagining of the thing. I have one other song at this point that's kind of set in a similar kind of high fantasy universe, and that's In Service of the King. And there are links between the two, though obviously they're, they're kind of talking about different characters in a way, um, but I'll leave that for, for another time. I'll play the the song in its entirety now. And then afterward, I'll talk a little bit about the process of recording some really great musicians on it. Of course, uh, Brian Stoltz, Scott Metzger, Pete Karp, Dimitri Motobacher. Um, it was a really amazing session. I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about that at the other side of the song. So here it is from In Service of the King by the Brooklyn Jazz Warriors, Eagle and the Lion.
The bed will talk Expose your secret's address She's had it in for you Since your wedding day They held you underground And made you swallow wine Spiked with turpentine And turned your walls to snake Revealed your destiny Divine with your third eye That on the inside There was still sunshine
So that was Eagle and the Lion by the Brooklyn Jazz Warriors from the album In Service of the King that featured Brian Stoltz and Scott Metzger on guitars, Dimitri Motobacher on upright bass, Pete Karp on drums, and myself on piano and vocals. So that was recorded in one take. We did, it was amazing, it was pretty an awesome recording session all over, but this particular tune, Scott showed up at the studio, set up, it was one of the last tunes that we did, um, and we'd been recording, it, would have been two, it was a two-day recording session that we did in service of the King. It was like two long days. Brian Stoltz uh, came in from Louisiana. We had a couple of rehearsals. We had a show at Public Assembly in Williamsburg, another rehearsal, and then we went into this, you know, this studio to recorded five songs a day. It was pretty amazing experience just hanging out with Brian, um, getting all these amazing stories from him, hang out with all the guys. I mean, Scott Mesker showed up for a very short time. He just, he showed up, he plugged in, we played the tune. He's like, okay, that was easy. <laughs> and, he was, and that was it. And he was gone. And then he came back later and he overdubbed some guitar on uh, Turn Those Eyes. He does the the guitar solo there and, and um, some other guitar work. So um, yeah, it was pretty incredible over at the Bunker Studio with Aaron Navisi. Most of the songs in that session were recorded live. I mean, all of them were recorded live. A couple of them overdubbed some vocals, but this one was completely live and this one was one take, which I understand nowadays is it's pretty rare to record songs like that, just live in the studio. Um, usually things are done with a lot more overdubs, a lot more production on that end. I mean, we did rehearsal and we did, you know, we got ready for it. Um, so we kind of had a little more preparation, also really great musicians. Um, also it saves, <laughs> it saves time and money in the studio when you're prepared and you just go in, hit it and quit. But also you kind of, there's something to capture some kind of magic when everything's just happening spontaneously like that. And I find when I go back and listen, I especially can hear the guitar interplay with Scott and Brian. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's pretty cool. I mean, I'll just, you know, never having played before, never having met each other before. Just guys, great to hang out with and to play with. And of course, Pete and Dimitri, we've been, you know, playing together for years. Um, Pete, I go way back with uh, to high school age. Pete is really a one-of-a-kind drummer. And, you know, check out, I mean, uh, his drumming throughout the Brooklyn Jazz Warriors tunes, uh, it just, you know... <laughs> It just it continually blows me away. I mean, he's just, uh, you know, there's groove and there's there's feel. Uh, and, I'm, you know, I haven't been playing with him so much recently, but, uh, you know, I miss it. And I hope to get more opportunities to play with him in the in the future. And, of course, Dimitri, you know, he's a consummate musician. You know, he, and he doubles on saxophones and, and bass. And uh, on the album, he plays both. And in this track, he plays bass. And he's just right in there. I mean, he's, you know, if you can kind of listen to the bass on this, uh, kind of pick it out. It's it's subtle, but there's a really deep interplay how he throws things in. I mean, the whole, the whole band. So I hope you all have enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed sharing it with you. 
And once again, I want to thank our patrons for supporting our podcast and musical efforts. And again, you can join the ranks by going to soundheightsrecords.com, finding your way to the Patreon page, and getting in on some of those unreleased tracks. And again, I'm releasing a demo version of Eagle in the Line from when I first wrote it. Just a uh, voice and piano. So check that out over there. And as always, remember, with abundant singing and playing of music, we bring about the true and complete redemption. See you next time.